30 Nerdy's presenting sponsor and the home of all of the official 30 Nerdy swag is Advertising Expressions. Juice, what would Superman be without the big S on his shirt? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what about Iron Man? What, what if he couldn't slap that Stark Industries logo on everything? You know, Clark and Tony, they probably go to Advertising Expressions, like us, for all their advertising needs. Oh, yeah. And so should you. And when you need your own symbol, like for work, church, school, a team of super friends maybe, check out Advertising Expressions. They can help you get your name and logo in front of as many people as possible, as often as possible, for as long as possible. That's right. So whether you're a billionaire, playboy, philanthropist, or faster than a speeding bullet, check out Advertising Expressions at advertising-expressions.com. Or give them a call at 423-586-3270. And tell them the nerds at 30 and Nerdy Podcast sent you. What's up, nerds and nerdettes? Welcome to another episode of the 30 and Nerdy Podcast. I'm your host, the Duke of Nerds, the sweet tea of the Nerdy South, Tyler Mack, and joined by the co-host. He's the juicy one. He's freshly squeezed. He's the doctor of nerdonomics, the doctor of nerdlosophy, the doctor of everything in the nerd world. He can write your nerdscriptions for you. He was born in darkness. Doctor. Davis. I was molded by it. Molded. Up, man? Molded by it. Hey, not a lot, man. Not a lot. Living the proverbial dream, mm. as they say. That's, That's what they say. That, that, yeah. Back to the old grind tomorrow. Thanksgiving is, has come and gone. Mm-hmm. Heading back to school tomorrow. And I have bus duty. Oof. So. It's going to be a great day. Well, a very, a very long, busy day for me tomorrow, but that's, that's why they call it living the dream. Yeah. But any Sometimes other times I don't know whose dream it is, but I'm living it. There you go. So how was your week off? What did, what did the uh, juice do on his fall? Break? It was, it was sh- too short. I don't know how it's already over to be honest with you. Uh, but it was great. Uh, mostly just did a lot of kicking back laying around the house. Apparently a holiday happened. It's all kind of a blur. Mm-hmm. Everything happened so fast, but yeah, people were here. Food was, food was had. It's been great. It's been very, very nice. I needed it. I needed a little break. Yeah. I'm excited to get back to work tomorrow. Genuinely I am because yeah, there's a lot going on things are happening. So mm-hmm. I'm ready to get back to it. How about you? Uh, pretty good. It was a pretty busy week at work gearing up for a bike Friday. Cause when you work in Sevierville, no matter what you work in, thanksgiving to that to today uh the weekend of thanksgiving and black friday is always a nightmare no matter what what industry you work in in this area Mm -hmm. it's a tourist town it's a shop heavy town people come from all over the country for some reason to spend their black friday weekends in pigeon forge and severeville so it's it's that tanger outlet over there it's that green top mall they got there it's a big deal 
It is. I mean, work was crazy, but uh, we broke a sales record, which is always a positive. Um, the team worked really well together. There wasn't really many hiccups. And it was, uh, it was a good weekend weekend for the distillery. So uh, can't complain about that. Uh, me and Maddie actually started Wednesday on Netflix this week, the show Wednesday. Oh, okay. We thoroughly enjoy it. Yeah. Okay. It looks good. It. It's, it's, it's on the list. Yeah. It's uh it's definitely a direction that they could take a lot of things. Like if you did Scooby-Doo in this vein, mm-hmm. it'd be fantastic. She is phenomenal. I became a fan of hers in the most recent scream, the newest scream, Jenny mm-hmm. Ortega's one of the leads in it. Mm-hmm. And then she did the movie X another horror movie, but totally different than scream a lot more gory. Definitely. And now she's Wednesday. I mean, she is just she's shown up on the scene and she's blowing up, especially in this, you know, macabre horror genre. She's becoming a new scream queen quickly. And I love Jenny Ortega. She's she's phenomenal as Wednesday. Burton nailed it. Uh, The the universe that he's built uh, is very like. You the fans are going to like it because there are a lot of nods and a lot of Easter eggs. And obviously the fan favorite characters are in it. Not every episode. There's new characters that are fantastic. So it's got that legacy sequel feel at the same mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. Um, to the point where this you could see this following Adam's family to the movie because now she's 16 and in this high school age to where she was younger and one and two. This easily could follow those two movies a few years later after that summer camp or whatever. They do it well. The cast is very strong. I mean, from. Her as Wednesday, uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones as Morticia, which I'm going to no say, way. honestly, I was very skeptical of when I read the casting uh, a few months ago. And I was like, uh, she, she does great, man. She I fantastic. am a fan of Catherine Zeta-Jones. I'm married to Catherine Zeta-Jones. <laughs> Even more of a reason for me to watch this thing. Yes. Not to change the subject, but I finally finished the last season of The Flash. Uh, okay, the your thoughts? Most recent one. Your thoughts? Uh, meh. Yeah. Meh. Yeah. Just has not been good for a long time. I think it's it's a good thing that they're finally going to put this one out to pasture. I can't believe spoilers. Dun dun dun. Spoilers. Um, I can't believe they killed Frost. Yeah. But surely not. Like everybody comes back all the time. So that's true. You know, dead isn't dead in the comic book world. Ever. Um, I'm hoping that Cisco will at least come back for. Well, you know, before the series finale, the finale, there'll be like a reunion, a reunion of some sort to play to the so. nostalgia, or they'll reset the timeline like none of thing we've watched has happened. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's all starting. Um, but yeah, with Wednesday, I mean, Christina Ricci's in it, man. Louise oh, Guzman yeah. as and, so, and and poor poor Louise Guzman got a lot of flack going yeah, into it, and a lot and Tim Burton got a lot of flack, and you know I think a lot of people are like, well, Raul Julia was kind of attractive um, in the first two movies, in the old black and white live action show that Gomez was kind, of, but if you follow the old cartoon and the yep. old. Gomez isn't an attractive guy. Yeah. It's his devout love for Morticia that she falls in love with. So 
I think he's doing a great job. He's very good. Gwendolyn Christie's in it, and she's mm-hmm. commanding as always in her scenes. Uh, it's just a great cast of new faces and people we've we've watched for years. Uh, so I highly recommend Wednesday if you haven't started it yet. Mortis, and, uh, I feel a sudden urge to take you into my arms. Monsieur Carami. And we put up a Christmas tree this evening. And which I'm fine with. I'm fine. Thanksgiving's over. Black Friday's over. It is definitely now time for the Christmas yeah, season. I, I agree. Although we did not make it until after Thanksgiving. Uh, <laughs> Rebecca was like, oh, we're not at school. Time for the tree to go up. But not only that, but we got a new tree this year. One Ooh. that is pre-lit or whatever. So, uh, yeah, we're all we're all about Christmas around here. Yeah. Ho, ho, it's going to be the hap, hap, happiest time since Ben Crosby tapped dance with Danny and Kane. Something like that. Hey, so yeah. Christmas. I want, have you seen the new Christmas story sequel thing? Uh, no, Netflix? we're waiting to oh, man. Uh, do a double feature when we're all together for Christmas Eve. Okay, well, I'm not going to spoil anything, uh, but I will tell you, I was very skeptical, very, very mm-hmm. skeptical on this one because this is one of those things that's classic. Let's not mess with it. You know, I was not disappointed at all. Oh, good. And I anticipate that you will really enjoy it. Yeah. That's what I've been told. It's Brian, Brian at work told me that. He said, I think yeah. you're, you're going to enjoy it. Yeah. Like, oh, it's, great. it's very good. But yeah, it's Christmas time and we're finishing up November discussing the last in the hashtag Nolan verse November, uh, The Dark Knight Rises. I would say the last, but in my opinion, not the least of the trilogy. Right. You know, I'd put this I, at a solid second place. For the solid, solid two. Solid mm-hmm. two. Uh, I think that most people would agree that the order here is, is uh, two, three, one. Yes. Yeah. For quality. Absolutely. Pretty clear. Pretty clear. And nothing against the first one. Like we said, we definitely appreciate it a lot more in our adult lives than we used yeah. to. Yeah. Um, but, you know, as for like villains and qu- performances and quality of script writing, uh, I would definitely say it goes two, three, one. A couple of things we want to talk to before we get to our general discussion on Dark Knight Rises is uh, I-, I saw a fun little article that Popeye not the restaurant, the sailor man Mm. is making his way to manga. The very popular graphic novel, comic book illustration style that is, is is extremely popular and and gaining even more popularity as each year goes on. Yes. And I saw some, some early images and what this story is going to cover is how he lost his eye. How he literally becomes Popeye. I, I guess that's never been explored before, has Mm-mm. it? I don't know a lot about Popeye, I must say. It's not up I, on the uh, Popeye lore. I did enjoy Popeye growing up. My uh, grandfather, uh, his nickname was Wimp, uh, Wimpy, uh, because he would eat burgers just like the character. Mm-hmm. So all of his friends and family started calling him Wimpy when he was young. Mm-hmm. So, and that just stuck. He became Wimp McDaniel. He never went by Paul. Everyone knew him as Wimp. So he would gladly pay you Tuesday for a burger today. Today. I'll probably get, I'm not really into a lot of manga uh, reading wise. I think we've been very open on how out of touch we are with anime 
and all that stuff on this not show. In, not into a lot of manga. I'm not into any manga. <laughs> yeah. But I'll probably check it out because it's Popeye. I grew up watching Popeye. I still have Popeye puppets from my childhood put away. Uh, and of course, the movie was, I think, was was hokey, but it was it was the legendary Robin Williams. Robin Williams, that's right. Yeah. I've never so, seen it, but I know about it. I'll definitely check it out. And if uh, if you haven't seen about this, definitely look it up. The artistry looks really cool. Definitely manga, peak manga artistry. And uh, I'll definitely check it out because I want to know, how did he lose his eye? Yeah, I want to know too. Interesting story. Now, this actual story happened a couple weeks, you know, uh, about a week or so ago. And I, I didn't really get want to get into detail on it because there were so many people covering it at the time. But a new sort of story popped up after it all happened when the time did an interview with the granddaughter of Roy Disney, mm-hmm. who was the brother of Walt, brother of which Walt. they started, you know, the company together. And she is actually a shareholder still of Disney. She actually released a film earlier this year that we should definitely check out called The American Dream and Other Fairy Tales. And it is apparently very eye-opening and telling of Disney. Uh-oh. It is, it is her, you know, using it as a, a moment to shine some light on the company in a negative way. Like you're not paying your park people. Well, you know, mm-hmm. she, and, and she's a shareholder and she's outspoken about all this stuff. Yeah. Well, I think that that is a good thing to, yeah. uh, to get out there because they should do better with that. Um, you know, if, if Bucky's can afford to pay their employees pretty well, yeah, I think Disney. Yeah. Can now, granted, obviously, they got, you know, a hundred times more people working for them, but they've also got probably a hundred times more the money, too. So, yeah, yeah. Well, I, and it's crazy reading this article because her and her brother only own three percent of company stock and they're the granddaughter and grandson of now, granted, three percent of billions and billions and billions of dollars. Still must be pretty nice. Yeah. I wouldn't Um, say no to it. Yeah. She, some of the, I'm not going to read the whole article. I'm not going to hit on every point they talked about, but I definitely recommend you go read it. Uh, She talked a little bit about Iger returning, uh, Mm -hmm. Bob Iger. And it's a good thing, which is, yes, yes, it's absolutely a good thing. Uh, And one of the things that she said that Bob would have handled differently and in a more positive light is the battle that DeSantis had with Disney and some of the stuff he did in Florida as, as governor. Mm-hmm. He said he definitely would have went to bat for the community a lot better and would have been more hands-on because he would have, his mentality was how does this affect my employees? How does this affect my, my guests? How does this affect my business? And Iger would have been like, we're going to combat this a little more instead of like, Oh no, we, we don't want to get involved, which is great to know. And also she thinks that he is in for a few years because there was such a bad succession plan or succession, whatever, you know? Yeah. Succession. Um, yeah. They did. They didn't have a good plan for if Bob left this Chappet guy was just kind of in the room when it happened. And they just kind of were like, well, he can take over your turn. Yeah. I guess this guy can, he's, he's been walking around for a little bit. <laughs> uh, and she was like, that's just poor management. That's, that's, 
So he's going to actually establish and create the next secession plan and make it a little bit more positive, better for the company, better for the guests. And hopefully we'll see some prices dropping with Iger back at the helm. I just hope that they fix the dang fast passes at the park. But that's, <laughs> that's a story for another time. If you know, you know. But yeah, I think it's uh, interesting. Uh, I think we should definitely check out that movie, The American Dream and Other Fairy Tales. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think as long as it's a Disney, like literally her family, like name is Disney, who's also a shareholder, like campaigning. I think it's awesome. I think there yeah. should be more of that in our big companies for the sake of the employees. Uh, but yeah, go check out that article. It's in time. And uh, definitely check out the movie. Where can one see this this movie? Uh, the American Dream yes. and other fairy tales. Uh, I believe it is where you ever you rent and buy. It might be on Netflix. I haven't checked. Of course, it also. I'm sure they wouldn't put it on Disney Plus. Um, most likely not. <laughs> but I bet you can get it at like Prime, Fudu, stuff like that. Rent it or buy it. Looks like you can find it on Prime. Uh, wait, I don't know if it's free. That's what I'm trying to figure out. It is not free. $7 to rent. $7? Come on, Amazon. Jeez. For a rental? Well, Bezos is probably building a new rocket ship. So, Jeez. Probably trying to go to Mars. Other articles that I've read this week. Uh, there's, there's obviously been clamoring after Wakanda Forever for some Namor solo projects. Yeah, because Namor was awesome. Because Namor was great. He was definitely a plus from Wakanda Forever. And obviously there has been clamoring all year, for the last 10 years for Hulk solo projects. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, fun fact, they can't do them. Not going to happen. Not going to happen until Universal loses the rights to the character. Because even though they are MCU characters and we've seen them in the MCU, even though they are doing movies and stuff under the Disney banner, the two of those and, and a slew of, of other characters, uh, which is interesting. You should definitely look, at, look up this article as well. They can be seen in MCU IP mm-hmm. if it's not their solo movie, yeah. if they're just tagged along with people. Because Universal still has character rights to them as well as Fantastic Four and some others. So that's probably what is delaying Fantastic Four so much is they're waiting because I think sometime in 2023, uh, all the rights will be taken away from Universal and revert to where they belong. Let's uh, hope. With Disney. So I would say sometime after next year or the next, you'll see some Namor solo stuff and maybe a Hulk movie finally. Maybe a solo Hulk thing that's not Universal. I think it's hard to to do a good hulk movie though because mm-hmm. even the edward norton one which was way better than the eric banner one i don't yes. know it's still just i don't know what it is about it because it's maybe it's just because i'm biased and hulk is not like one of my favorites mm-hmm. but it's like it, it goes back to that conversation that i've had with logan who complained about smart hulk you know hulk smash only gets you so far that's only like it's it's great, but then what's next? You know, you gotta change and evolve in some way, mm-hmm. right? So it's just like I don't know. I feel like it's hard to get that out of a solo Hulk movie. And really nailed it with the the buddy thing in Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. 
And, and I think you're right. Um, he's not in my top five for Marvel characters. Yeah. I enjoyed reading World War Hulk and, and Hulk's comic where Wolverine debuted and all that. But that's what I was going to say. Like a Hulk and uh, Wolverine team mm-hmm. up or versus special yeah. or something like that would be great. It'd be great. That'd be what, how, like, especially if they introduce Wolverine the way he's introduced in the comics. Imagine if like, you know, they talked about doing these, you know, like they did with Werewolf by Night, these little hour specials mm-hmm. to introduce new characters and stuff. If they introduced Wolverine like that versus the Hulk, that'd be huge. Yeah. So cool. So anyway. I'd love it. So the final little bit of topic we want to talk about before we get to our breakdown is Survivor Series happened. As I believe you said, the most profitable? According to Triple H uh, at the post-event press conference, Survivor Series War Games, which is the one from this year, was the highest grossing Survivor Series of all time, as well as the most viewed. Uh, He said that it was a complete sellout there at Boston, record uh, grossing gate for the WWE in Boston. Cool. The attendance is being disputed. The number of attendance is disputed a little bit, but yeah, it's a big deal. Very successful night for the WWE. Yeah, absolutely. Going down the card a little bit, we had uh, Ronda Rousey retained her championship against Shotzi. I like Shotzi Blackheart. Could care less about Ronda Rousey. <laughs> and that sucks because yeah. I used to love her. Something's just not clicking with her. It's not. And like now she's also doing this, like teaming up with Baszler and they're beating the crap out of people, but she's also a singles champion. And obviously they're building them as a team. And I don't know what they're doing there. Um, It's probably one of the few things on SmackDown that I I don't like going on right now is whatever Mm -hmm. they're doing with their champ, Ronda. Well, Um, one day when they aren't teaming up anymore, they'll have a great match probably. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's the end game of this story. We had AJ, and all honestly, I thought this was a shock, pretty shocking. Uh, he beat Finn Balor of Judgment Day, and uh, he had the OC in his corner, and they were had some pretty cool ring gear. But yeah, I was actually kind of shocked at this win. I was too, um, because I was expecting that they would keep uh, the Judgment Day. Finn Balor and all them looking really strong mm-hmm. until the eventual return of Edge yeah. and Beth Phoenix. Maybe they're waiting for the Rumble or whatever for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I thought they would want to keep them looking dominant going into that. I mean, it's the choice I would make. But uh, who knows? Did you see the thing where uh, Dominic and and uh, <laughs> what's her name? Gosh. Rhea. Uh, Rhea Ripley, like invaded Rey Mysterio's house on Thanksgiving. Yeah. Beat the crap out of him. That's pretty good. Yeah, that was good stuff. It was kind of felt kind of like those old school segments like yes. Stone Cold and Pillman and stuff like that. Because it wasn't so overproduced. Yeah. It was just a simple like somebody on a phone. I love it. Yeah. Makes yeah, it real. It does make it more real. I like that. Austin Theory beat Bobby Lashley and at the time, champion Seth Rollins in a triple yeah. threat to become the new United States champion. Um, I think, I think it's a, probably a smart choice. Hate to see Seth Rollins lose the title because I'm a big Rollins guy. Mm-hmm. I refuse to call him Seth freaking Rollins. But, um, you know, I, I guess 
the main reason for him having the belt to begin with was just to do the face turn. So they've done that. They've accomplished that. This is good for Austin Theory because he has been just completely just doo-dooed on uh, for a long time now. So he's finally looking dominant, looking strong after (laughs) cashing in money in the bank on the U.S. title and losing. Well, I think that after Vince left, there was this clear shift in theory where H wasn't down to play Vince's game with theory. You know, H wasn't as high on him as as Vince was. And H was probably more like a, no, we need to put put this guy through the through the shit. You know, he needs to bulk up a little bit. We're bringing his first name back. And thank God. And he did that, and he's got a beard. And well, I think that uh, he's going to be a big deal in the next few years. I like. I really yeah. think he's he's going to be yeah. a big star. Um, yeah. I think he's I think and he he's so young, and to be that good, to, uh, that young, you know, yeah. I think he's got a really bright, bright future. Um, also, I hate Seth Rollins' blonde hair. It looks so bad. Do you think this is your least favorite? Rollins gimmick, the suits and the uh, stuff he's been doing. Yes, maybe. I don't know. I really didn't like the preacher. Rollins. Oh, the, yeah. Yeah. It's shield Rollins, architect Rollins, Kingslayer Rollins are my top favorites. Three. Yeah. I get that. I really enjoyed Kingslayer. I, I yeah. did. Uh, moving on the women's. War Games match. Team Bianca won. And that team consisted of Bianca, uh, Asuka, Alexa Bliss, an NXT person that I can't remember. Mia Yim? (laughs) Yes, Mia. And uh, the returning (sighs) Becky Lynch. Oh, yeah. She had a huge pop when she she was the first one to to enter, I think. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Mia Yim is the real life wife of, oh gosh, he's in, uh, AEW now. Oh, really? Big guy, Keith, uh. Oh, Keith Lee. Keith Lee. Yeah. Bearcat. Remember when they were doing that thing for a bit, like these people are invading and like they wear black and they're. Yeah. Messing with the, the cameras and you remember, and it just turned out to be crap. Uh, she was one of those people. Ah, and Vince released her. Crowbar, T-Bar. T-Jack. T-whatever their names Jack were. Bar, it was ridiculous. They could have like done that. something so cool with that. And then they just... Well, I mean, and coming off of like, you've got those of us fans who saw the WCW invasion, the ECW invasion, the, the Nexus invasion, the Shield invasion. They've done invasion so well. And then to just drop the ball like, with that group, just like, oh, God, this is bad. These guys are bad. Yeah. Uh, it was just poorly mm-hmm. done. Poorly done. I did see where apparently there's a possible character arc going on. Alexa wasn't selling the win at the end of the match. And people were like, Alexa's not happy. She's not selling the win. And she was just kind of normal. And I think people were thinking, oh, that's a, a Wyatt thing slowly playing this long game story of Alexa going back to the Wyatt six. Oh Lord. Mm-hmm. I'll, she's not great as a baby face, to be honest with you. 
kind of no. boring as a baby face. Just and I like, like Alexa Hi. Bliss, but me too. Her her heel work is so good. Yeah, yeah, so good. Now for the men's war games match and final match of the night, uh, we had the Bloodline versus the Brawling Brutes and KO. I did see a lot of snippets of this match. Uh, this this looked to be a pretty good, really awesome War Games match. Uh, and plus the stuff that, let me tell you something. The best thing that has been happening in the last month or so on that show is not the Tribal Chief. It's Sammy freaking Zane. Yes. Mm-hmm. This m- man is putting in the work and winning over everybody in those seats and everybody watching the screens. Week in and week out. I mean, listen, this is El Generico, people. This is the guy who was truly not treated very well as a talent star under Vince. But he is working the hell out of this angle. Did you see the clip uh, when he had them all laughing in the ring because he said that Jay wasn't feeling very oozy? Feeling oozy? Yeah. Yeah. He finally broke them all. Yeah. I was watching that one live. That's fantastic. It's great stuff. And I mean, we knew the bloodline was going to win. We've got to maintain that dominance. Part of me also kind of thought this would be a great opportunity for them to lose because they can't lose any other time because they got to hang on to those uh, titles, you know. So this would be a good opportunity to give them a loss and kind of sow a little more turmoil within the group. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they're looking good. Sammy Zane kind of proved his loyalty. There was, they were trying to do a story of like, oh, you know, KO's getting to him because they're old friends. He's trying to tell him not to trust the bloodline, but whatever. So you're thinking maybe he's going to turn on the bloodline, but he uh, did the low blow on KO and mm-hmm. proved his loyalty. Yeah. Uh, it'll definitely be pretty much what, what Reigns has been for the last two years, just intriguing storytelling that's been happening. I love everything going on with the bloodline, with Roman Reigns. So entertaining, so good. Roman Reigns is the man right now. He's always had that potential. We always, yeah. you know, he's, he's been at the top for so long, but, you know, early on, force-fed to us. So yes. didn't quite win the fans over, but this is like, what great heel work. I was thinking about this the other day. Now that some time has passed and John Cena is a little older and we've been without him for a while, wouldn't it be great if he decided to do one more run, maybe a couple years, and turned heel? It would be the biggest thing ever. (laughs) And he Um, would be great. He would be so good. And now Vince isn't around, you know, yeah, I mean, this would be this would be the time to do it, but I'm just afraid that you know it hasn't happened yet. Well, you know, Rocky went to Hollywood and did a few things, and then came back for a while, yeah. and then left again, kind of more on a more permanent basis. Yeah, and I mean, I'm talking before we saw him at WrestleMania 27, and he well, had yeah, because he he, he came had, back to say Foley from the Evolution. Back when he was wearing the vest and the sunglasses, so I, I think it could happen. Probably not for a while because he's yeah. still doing like DC stuff and Peacemaker yeah. and all that. Yeah. Um, but man, I'd love it. 
it would be great, but I don't want to get too much hope in that. Hold out for it and it never happened. Was MJ says, expect disappointment, never be disappointed. Yeah. So all in all, sounds like it was a fantastic Survivor Series. I would imagine that we are uh, going to gear up for Rumble soon and make the plans to to watch that. That's pretty much the, if we never watch any pay-per-view together all year, that's the one we absolutely are like, yeah. look, even if we don't watch Mania together this year, we have to always do yeah. the Royal Rumble. That is because it's our favorite pay-per-view and you know, we get the food. It's just, just been a tradition. And as, as they say in letter, Kenny, you don't have with tradition. I'm and, excited for rumble this year, man. And it's going to be on a Saturday. So yes. So no sleepy going into work on Monday. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I can sleep in after that. So I'm, yeah, I'm really absolutely. digging the Saturday pay-per-views WWE. Brilliant. Don't change a thing. I like it. I really do. We are going to step away and take a quick break. And when we return, we are going to talk about the last in the Nolan verse, The Dark Knight Rises, when 30 Nerdy Podcast returns. 30 and Nerdy Podcast is brought to you by Tennessee Legend Distillery. Established in the summer of 2015, Tennessee Legend Distillery is more than just another moonshine stop in the Smoky Mountains. From our multi-award-winning, silky-smooth, salted caramel whiskey to our King Snake two-year-old bourbon whiskey, our local favorite vodka, and even our legendary line of cream liqueurs, there is something for everyone. Focusing on a small-town vibe, our family and friend-owned and operated business has kept us grounded to the heritage of the volunteer state with our fun, courteous, smiling staff. Come in for free tastings and leave with your spirit of choice, whether it be Richard's Damn Good Gin or the legendary Hammershine. You can find us on social media by searching Tennessee Legend Distillery, where you can see behind-the-scenes features, new deals, and our always fan-favorite Thirsty Thursday cocktail recipes. Now we do have two locations here in Sevierville, one on Highway 66, one on Newport Highway. We also have locations in Cookville and Nashville. If you do visit our Sevierville location located at 870 Winfield Dunn Parkway, tell them the guys at 30 and Nerdy Podcast sent you. You'll receive a free shot glass and 15% off your purchase. What are you waiting for? Come be a legend at Tennessee Legend Distillery. Cheers to you, nerds. Hello, my name is Nolan McDaniel, and I am the founder and executive director of Chat Academy Community School. Almost 18 months ago now, the dream of Chat Academy started with one singular focus, designing a school with community input in its DNA. And now we're proud to announce that we are finally entering the enrollment season for East Tennessee's only public bilingual school. So why Chat Academy? At Chad Academy, we're focused on supporting students to become the problem solvers that can tackle the local, regional, national, and global problems that we don't even know about yet. We're designing an academic model that allows students the opportunity to chase curiosity every day by centering the problem solving process in every single class. 
we're layering that academic model with a bilingual approach. Not only do we believe in the immense value of bilingualism, we also know that research shows that bilingual learners approach the problem-solving process with flexibility and creativity that is unmatched. But we're not stopping at academics. As a community school, we believe in holistic supports and breaking down the walls of a school, a learning environment that is truly in, of, and for the community. Part of our holistic supports includes a commitment to social-emotional learning and character development through our whole village approach. So why Chat Academy? Because there is truly no other educational experience like it in our region. If you are the parent or guardian of a student that resides in Hamilton County who is currently in the fifth or sixth grade, we invite you to apply to Chat Academy Community School when our application opens on November 15th. The application window will be open for one month until December 15th, when admissions will then be based on a full blind lottery. If you're looking for more information about our school, the lottery system, or to submit an application, visit our website at www.chatacademy.org. We hope you'll apply today. Not only will you become a part of a one-of-a-kind educational opportunity, you will also be a part of the first classes at Chad Academy. Founder has a nice ring to it, huh? Rolling out, no worries, no cares. When the car came out of nowhere. That's when my whole world changed. Pills for the pain, medical bills insane. Lucky for me, I dialed OEB. Boom, turn your record to a check. The ones for you now call OEB Law. Boom, turn your record to a check. We got your back now call OEB Law. Woke up all broke up and messed up. Laying there in pain as if it wasn't bad enough. Couldn't work much and the bills are piling up. Insurance company wasn't paying up. I was down, I was out, but I wasn't quite done. Call 546-1111. You're in pain, yeah, we got you. You can't pay, yeah, we got you too. Boom, turn your record to a check. The ones for you now call OEB Law. Boom, turn your record to a check. We got your back now, call OEB Law. Boom, turn your record to a check. We got your back now, call OEB Law. Hello, our little future foundling laws. I'm Emily, also known as Snow, and I'm the GM for The Gate Chronicles. And I'm Quentin, the GM for The Odd Campaign. Collectively, we are the co-founders of Missing Role Player Found, or MERP for short. We are an RPG actual play podcast. Do you like character voices? Do you like drama? Are you titillated by action and adventure? Mystery and intrigue. Are you here for the puns and quips and funny tricks? Are you my mom? If so, head on over to our website, missingroleplayerfound.com. That's missing R-O-L-L playerfound.com. And prepare to embark on misadventures of epic proportions. Here's a sneak peek of what's in store. What year is, he is asking it? a fortune teller this? Horses do not, fun fact, like being upside he down. He can do it. I, I think he can do it. This whole time, I thought just using my hand was the way to go, but apparently they had toilet paper. <laughs> Give me the ugly. Oh, I see. So you mean the New Year's Eve hallowed sacred hubbub. <laughs> Quite a lengthy name you have for it, though. Hi, I'm Vixen Valiant, otherwise known as Valiant Fox, and you're listening to 30 and Nerdy.
Welcome back, nerds and nerdettes, to the 30 and Nerdy Podcast. And we are breaking down the Dark Knight Rises and happy to have you, the people, back with us. That's a lovely, lovely voice. What a lovely, lovely voice. Yes, The Dark Knight Rises was released July 20th, 2012. Big year for superhero movies. Had a budget of $230 million and brought in a whopping uh, nearly $1.1 billion. Good Lord. Just incredible. Uh, Now, this makes it the highest grossing Batman film of all time. Yes, it did do a little better than The Dark Knight, just a little bit. Don't think it does as good, though, if Dark Knight wasn't a masterpiece. No, 100% no. For sure. Uh, Now, here is something that just sort of really shook me for a second. At the time of its release, The Dark Knight Rises here, this was the seventh highest grossing film of all time. Okay. Seventh highest grossing film of all time in 2012. That's 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. You got to think. There's many, many decades of of movies and, and whatnot, right? Yes. And all that time, The Dark Knight Rises beats all of them to become the seventh. Okay. Now, in just 10 years, it has dropped from the seventh highest grossing film of all time to the 32nd. Good in God. just 10 years, that is how many it, it moved down. I can't do math. How many spots is that? Well, you know, 25, know. 25 yeah. spots in yeah. 10 years because we've had that many blockbuster movies wow that's crazy that is that's insane yeah because you think in the grand scheme of thing you think 10 years isn't a long time but in our lives 10 years seems like forever and then compare that like forever ago that we were in the theater watching this movie and then compare that to the years and years and years before it Mm -hmm. of other movies you know that are coming out so that just was crazy. crazy to me uh, this one was, of course, directed by Christopher Nolan, just like the other two. This is his uh, big project, of course. He almost didn't return, though, apparently. He was, you know, not really gung-ho about coming back for the third one, which really surprises me because the second one ends with, you know, the the discord between, you know, Gotham and, and yeah. Batman and stuff. I mean, I, I guess you could end it there, but it would have been kind of weird, right? But he was quoted as saying, Christopher Nolan is, how many good third movies can you, can you think of? There's not a lot. So he was worried it wouldn't be good. And he didn't want to do it unless they had a really good solid story and script. It turned out they did fine. They did really well. But let's think about that. Third movies. Uh, Return of the King. Return of the King and Return of the Jedi. Yeah. So then we've got Back to the Future 3. Uh, no, I like it. I, I like it because it's Back to the Future, but it is definitely not as good as the others. No, but that's not the thing that we're questioning here because the third Batman was not as good as the others, or at least the second one. But was it still good? Yes, because he said there's not a lot of good movies. Oh, the actual just good third movies. Yeah. So Return of the King is good. Return of the Jedi is good. Back to the Future 3, I think, is still good. Yeah. It's not my favorite, but I think it's good. It's a good trilogy. Battle of Five Armies is good, even though the Hobbit trilogy yeah. doesn't get the respect 
that it deserves sometimes. I don't know. I think he's just playing hard to get. That yeah, I think he was. No I think one. he was wanting more money. To be honest. So anyway, it was written by Christopher Nolan and his brother Jonathan. And interestingly enough, this one off the heels of the wildly successful Dark Knight had no Academy Award nominations. None. That's wild. Yeah. This is only like the second movie that uh, Christopher Nolan had ever done that didn't get anything. Because I've got to say, this was some of the top tier performance from Michael Caine in this movie, mm-hmm. some great scenes and a little bit of things in it's all, you know, very commanding of the scene and you've got the breakdown between him and Bruce. And then at the end, you've got him crying at his grave. It's like, wow. Uh, I mean, he did fantastic in this. Nothing, movie. nothing for Tom Hardy, nothing for yeah. Anne Hathaway, no Academy award nominations, but. I'm sure it got some like MTV it got, awards. Yeah, it got Saturn a few things awards. here and there, yeah. and a few nominations. But even so, like it still didn't like win a lot yeah. of stuff, especially nothing like with a lot of recognition to it. So yeah, that's wild. Weird. That is crazy. So we always talk about memories of seeing this, you know, whatever topic we're talking about, seeing mm-hmm. it, experiencing it for the first time. Take me back, 2012. Uh, living in. Pigeon Forge, working for Fee Hedrick. Uh, did we go to an IMAX for this one? No, I no. don't think so. I saw this one in the theaters. Um, I was excited to see it, especially coming off of Dark Knight. And I think what really brought me to to the excitement to see it is, you know, Heath had passed, mm-hmm. and it had been probably one of the longest gaps between a Batman movie we've ever had. It's four years. Yeah. So it's like, what are they well, going to give us? Yeah. And are they going to talk about Joker? So my memory of it, it this was summer. So mm-hmm. I, this, is before, this is before I had graduated. Becky and I were in that phase of like, we know we like each other and we're spending a lot of time together, but we haven't really taken that step towards oh like we're a thing you know what i mean you Um, weren't you weren't facebook official no we were not uh but she had just accepted uh a teaching job and this was like nine ten o'clock at night i'm all the way home in union county and she's like oh it'd be great if you know we did something to celebrate or like went to see batman or something tonight i was like oh it's already really late i don't know She's like, oh, it'd be really great, you know, to celebrate my job and everything. And I was like, okay. So I showed up an hour later and we went to see Batman that night. Wow. So that's uh that's my memory of it. Wow, that's a good memory. Yeah. I think I went with Christopher the first time. Uh, I know I saw this. I, I, I can't remember if I saw it more than once. Like I distinctly remember Dark Knight four times. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this one, I don't know if I saw it more than once. So. I saw it twice. I saw it uh, opening weekend with Christopher, and then I took mom to see it, like, the next week. But, yeah, I, I definitely wasn't like, I've got to watch this one four times. Yeah. It, it's it's hard to follow Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. If, you know, um, I don't know that there's anything they could have done that would have been better. But this was definitely a really good attempt. 
And I'm not going to throw the masterpiece label on this one. I think as a trilogy, yeah, it's a masterpiece trilogy, but like, yeah. I, I don't know. This one doesn't have the same, hold that same value to me, you know, yeah. as yeah. the Dark Knight. Uh, but speaking of memories, one not so good memory associated with uh, the release of this movie was the Colorado shooting, the Aurora oh, Colorado yeah. movie theater shooting. This guy yeah. walks in a movie theater uh, during the, uh, the Dark Knight Rises a few minutes into the movie and just starts shooting people, you know? Yeah. Uh, and the rumor at the time was that he had said uh, that he was the Joker. He had called himself the Joker, but apparently that was debunked and that was, that was yeah. not the case. But uh, that guy is currently uh, serving a life sentence in prison. Yeah. I remember watching that court case because obviously this happened in a Batman movie, the rumors swirling around the whole thing. I remember watching that court case and like looking into this guy's eyes and he's terrified. Like you can go back on This kid is terrified. No, and I think he knew that he did wrong. I think it was a bad night, but when rumors started circulating about him calling himself the Joker and then the media picked that up and then you have all these news outlets talking about, because of the dark night, you know, this kid thinks he's the Joker. Are these superhero movies no. turning, you know, are they? I'm like, oh, great. Awesome. Another opportunity for a bunch of older adults to tell us that superhero movies are poisoning our brains. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Just, just like video Thanks, games. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. I um, do remember all that. And they had to like, you know, they had to be really delicate about where they showed like previews for the movie and mm -hmm. like, which previews they showed in association with that movie, like with mm -hmm. Dark Knight Rises, because there was some gangster movie that they were showing a preview for connected to it, and they mm -hmm. pulled that because it was, you know, it was guns and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it was a crazy time. But uh, because of that, that was a crazy time at that time, right? It was crazy. Ten years ago, it was, it was just absolutely crazy. It was ten years later. No. There's a shooting every week. Yeah. In this country. Com so common commonplace. Yeah. It's it's we become so desensitized to how crazy it is because it's just a common thing now. And at the time though, that was one of the worst things since the Virginia Tech shooting. Um I forgot Columbine when we were like in fourth or fifth grade. Yeah. So I mean, this was this was a history making terrible thing at the time, but now. You know, every week some new history is being made because of, you know, a shooting somewhere. And it's just it's crazy how in 10 years of time, it's just there's been a little bit more desensitized to the violence of it and yeah. how crazy it is that it happens. I, I want to say it's because of the association of Batman that makes it so memorable. But like mm -hmm. this is one of those things that you kind of remember where you were and what you were mm -hmm. doing when you saw or when you heard or read or whatever um and now we're to a point where it happens so frequently that yeah you don't really remember that kind of thing so let's talk a little bit about the cast obviously we had the returning christian bell uh sir michael kane morgan freeman and gary oldman who sadly, sadly. has announced retirement yeah but um, you know what he deserves it he does he's given the man so, has given us so so much mm, so many amazing performances. 
in so many different genres of film. It's just, it's fantastic. And we had the introduction of Tom Hardy as Bane, Marion Cotillard as Miranda Tate slash Talia Al Ghul, Joseph Gordon Levitt as Robin John Blake, <laughs> and Anne Hathaway as Selena Kyle slash Catwoman. So Tom Hardy as Bane uh, didn't read the script, bulked up by like 30 pounds for this role. And, and it's crazy because, you know, this past year we, we saw Venom 2 in theaters and then rewatching this, I was like, that's the same guy. Yeah. It's just insane what these people do to their bodies for roles. I mean, Christian Bale, we, you know, we talked about in Begins, he had just come off a movie where he was like scrawny. It's just the stuff they do. He's uh, one of those frequently like yes. gaining weight, losing weight, gaining weight, losing yeah. weight. Yeah. Cutting his hair, shaving his hair. Yeah. It's just uh, he's only five nine. He's my height, Josh. Isn't that crazy? I didn't know that until today that Tom Hardy's <laughs> only five nine because he always plays these big tough guys. Yeah. And like I'm, <laughs> I, I'd be I'd be looking down on him a little bit. Yeah, he would. Uh, I saw an interview he talked about people on the set of batman they would walk up to him and be like oh man i thought you'd be a, a lot bigger person <laughs> it's like yeah sorry <laughs> oh bane you look cute yeah. with your okay. little mask and your cut off <laughs> so we got to talk about the the voice let's let's be honest ah, yes. the voice isn't, is, isn't it's it, pretty ridiculous there's a pattern in this nolan verse trilogy there's a lot of talk about people's vocal work in these three movies yeah. This voice is ridiculous. This voice is based off of, oh, the voice, the Batman voice, the Bane voice, what, what Heath did. There's a pattern in all three of these. We talk about voices. The Bane voice is like, to me, it's like Bill Cosby playing the page master in the old 90s movie instead of Christopher Lloyd. That's what the voice makes me think of. Or like yeah. the old guy at the bridge. What is your quest? Like he's like that character who's like, welcome to my emporium. <laughs> <laughs> That's every time he talks, I'm like, he's not intimidating because I'm waiting for him to say health potions are half off this week. Yeah. <clears throat> not a fan of the voice. It is a lot of fun to imitate and make fun of. Um, yeah. But he he was influenced by this Irish bare knuckle boxer named Bartley Gorman. And I looked him up to hear him talk to do a little comparison. And I did not really understand the similarity. Really? I, I didn't. I didn't get it. I have not heard this Bartley. Uh, Gorman talk. That's something I would invite everyone to look up. Uh, check it out. There's, Make your uh, own comparisons. There's a comparison on YouTube you can look at. And also one of those like talk show things that Tom Hardy was mm -hmm. on. He, he talked a little bit about it. Uh, yeah. Well, it's just crazy to, to, to see this today and our rewatch of it. And then to think back to him as Eddie Brock. And you can't stand him as Eddie Brock, like you personally. No. You're like, I decided. Man, I, I, I'm sort of. Tom Hardy and me, yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of fickle on him, you know. Like, yeah. I either like him quite a bit, or I just really don't like him at all. And it's weird because, like, in this one, I really like Bane. I like him. Yeah, he's, he's 
cool. It's different. He's, it's he's more. Beast, it's more but grounded in reality. The voice is kind of just. Bleh. And then, like, I really can't stand him as Eddie Brock. He just grunts and mumbles a lot. Yeah. I can't understand him. Speak up. I can't stop mumbling. Understand a word you're saying. Mumbler. Um, mumbler. Mumbler. It's interesting to think, like, you should watch Pinky Blonders. He's fantastic in Pinky Blonders. I hear good But things. there are times where even in that, you're like, I'm going to have to put subtitles on. Because his character sometimes is very, very much small, and he says things very fast. It's a great accent. A it's movie a great performance. that I love that he is in called Lawless. Have you seen Lawless? With Shia LaBeouf? Yes. Great movie. It's spectacular. Yes. Love it. Yes. And he is in that, and he does a good job. Yes, it is. I agree. That's a film. I guess. Uh, Moving on to Marion Cotillard as Miranda Tate slash Talia Al Ghul. First off, what do you think of her in this this role? Uh, Aside from this and Inception, I've I've not seen her in a lot of other stuff. Yeah, I don't. I don't um, really know much about her, but I thought she was fine. I mean, she I, was fine. Christopher Nolan adjusted the filming schedule for her because when she got the role, she was six months pregnant. Yeah, she was afraid she wasn't going to get to do it, but he yeah. had already worked with her. He knew her and, and he mm-hmm. knew that he wanted her for the part. So he adjusted and, uh, you know, made the proper accommodations for her mm-hmm. as a new mother. When she got to set, you know, she started a month after she gave birth. So she had her own like little family room and brought her family with her and everything. I think that's great. No, that's fantastic. I I would. I I couldn't imagine doing it a month after giving birth. Oh, no. Well, if men had to give birth, this planet wouldn't last long. No one would be born. No, no. Look at us when we get a cold. I, I didn't dislike her, but when I'm looking at this, this list of some of the people you found that were considered like Ava Green, probably not in this movie, but I love Ava Green. I couldn't see Naomi Watts. I know she was considered, but I, I, however, Rachel Weiss. Yeah. Would have been a great Tali Al Ghul. I think Kate Winslet would have been good too, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, I like Naomi Watts a lot, but yeah, I think you're right. Unless they changed her hair, it would be hard to believe that she was yeah. a daughter of Liam Neeson. And Ava Green could have played it well. Uh, I love so much of her performance and almost everything she does, but. I just there's something she brings. She brings somewhat of a a cold raspiness to her characters, whereas Talia can't be cold and raspy. So even though Ava could play it, I think Rachel would be the best if uh, Marion couldn't have done it. Did you see the really not great 300 sequel that she was in? She was the best part in it. Yeah, she was. The movie sucked, and she was yes. she was the only good, only redeeming part. We don't even have to do an episode on that. The only redeeming part of the 300 sequel is Ava Green. Yeah. And she was much. actually my my dream cast of uh, Lady Loki. That's who oh. my dream cast was. Yeah. Or she'd that. be a good nightmare as well. But she also would have been a good Hella. Ava Green can do a lot. She could do a lot of things. things. And I think I cast her as when we did the, the Marauders fan cast. Yeah, I think I put Ava in as a younger, um, maybe Bellatrix, Bellatrix's mom. That sounds right. I think yeah. is where I put her. I was like, God, she definitely birthed Bellatrix. You know, I, I don't dislike Marion. 
uh, in her performance. I just, when I think Talia, I'm thinking the animated series, I'm thinking the Arkham games, you know, the animated movies they did like Batman, Bad Blood and Batman versus Robin. Like she did good, but it was definitely a, you know, grounded in reality, reality Talia Ghul. Mm. So it wasn't bad. Joseph Gordon-Levitt as Robin John Blake. That's probably the, one of the bigger things I hated about that movie. Oh, you should go by your real name. Robin, <laughs> that's pretty. Really? Uh, that's yeah. the Easter egg? Robin is his real name? Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> You know, I did, I, I did that I, tonight too when we were with Madison sitting beside me. When she did that, I went, ugh, ugh, I hated it. Was a little, felt a little, little forced. Yes. You know, but I actually don't hate it. I, I would have liked better if, like, at the end, it said, well, Blake is, Blake is my chosen name. Well, what's your real last name? Grayson. Yeah, that would have been, that would have been better. Because yeah. then you're like, oh, Nightwing. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Anne Hathaway is Selena Kyle. Yes, ma'am. Woman. Trained extensively in martial arts for this part. Based performance on Hedy Lamar, the original inspiration for Catwoman. Natalie Portman was considered. Carrie Knightley was considered. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, Kate Mara would have been good. Gemma Alterton. Arterton. I don't know her by name. She, yes, we, 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 we know who she is. Um, she was in, oh yeah, she was in like the Hansel and Gretel thing with the uh, Hawkeye and oh, she was in Prince of Persia and Clash okay. of the Titans and stuff like that. Yeah, she's beautiful. She'd yeah. been great. Yeah. Jessica Biel, eh, coming off of Blade Trinity. I don't know. Oh, this I is mean, way after Blade Trinity. I know, but I just, yeah. Blake Lively. I love Blake Lively. They are my, possibly my favorite Hollywood couple is Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively. Yeah. I love them. They're great. Lady Gaga. <laughs> Interesting. I don't think I can see it, but you know what? I think that Lady Gaga could do anything. I am a fan. I, I yes. am a fan. She, I think she's so talented. And I think she'll do oh, great so as Harley Quinn. Yeah. I've been a Gaga fan since day one. When people were making fun of her for her meat suit and stuff, I was like. Yeah. That was a little weird. This is a long game she's playing. And Charlotte Riley. That is Tom Hardy's wife. Interesting. So, uh, but Bill, Mara, and Hathaway were the three that screen tested mm-hmm. with Hathaway getting the position. And she was so excited. And when she went into audition, she thought she was auditioning for Harley Quinn. So she went in like totally different uh, mindset with it. And then Christopher Nolan pulled her aside and said, okay, so this is for Catwoman. And she just flipped out. And then she was so excited about it. Like when they, her agent called her, she answered the phone and she's, oh my God, oh my God, I'm Catwoman, I'm Catwoman. And she was like, well, I'm actually calling to offer you uh, to, to host the, Academy Awards or something like that. But, you know, we haven't heard about Batman yet. Uh, so she was just really anxious about it. And I thought that was that was cute. Man, that Anne Hathaway is a, a great actress. I love Anne Hathaway. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a fan. We Probably uh, one of the more redeeming moments of the Les Mis movie. 
That movie was great, well. except for Russell Crowe. Yeah, I mean, but I think even for me, even some of Hugh Jackman's <laughs> got a little. Eh. But yeah, I love Anne Hathaway. Uh, we have we talked earlier this year about Zoe Kravitz. It kind of got out that she was uh, looking to audition for Catwoman. And they said something like, you know, we're not going for an urban look or something yes. like that. So she didn't even yes. get to read for it. Yes. Ouch. Yeah. yeah. Not, not, not good. She's Catwoman now. She sure is. She would have also been a little young at the time. Yeah. This is the other thing. That's yeah. so the uh, Jen. Uh, yeah. Kitty. Selena's sidekick. Chloe Grace Mortez and Jennifer Lawrence auditioned for this role. Moretz, isn't it? Moretz, yes, Moretz. But she's in the movie as uh, young Talia, I believe. She wound up b- being given the young Talia part. No. Um, Who is that? Um, or is she the one that's in... Uh, she's the Brad? one that's in Ramona and Beezus and stuff. Oh, Ramona, yeah. Hang on. Yeah. Joey King is her name. Joey King, yeah. She's in Ramona and Beezus. She in that train movie with Brad Crazy Pitt. Stupid Love, Bullet Train. Yeah. Independence Day Resurgence. Blah. Oh, Chloe Grace is in Kick-Ass. Yes. Okay. Well, and oh, Jennifer Lawrence, two. this would have been right before Hunger Games, I guess. I mean, Kitty has such a small part compared to Catwoman. I think either one of them could have played it. I mean, the girl who did it was fine. Yeah. But it's not like it was this huge, you know, important role. Yeah, yeah, exactly. My question about Catwoman, and I I wanted to run this by you, and it hit me early while watching it when he's, when she's still in his pearls, his mom's pearls. The Catwoman effect is what I call it. For instance, you are not a huge fan of Kristen Stewart, right? Early Kristen Stewart. I mean, no, like no. Twilight. But what so. if Kristen Stewart was put in the Catwoman suit and played sultry? Does that immediately like, oh, she's hot? Well, she just played sultry in like the, well, the Charlie's yeah. Angels. Yeah, thing. and it was great. It worked. I'm saying, um, like, could you put almost anyone in a Catwoman outfit and make them play sultry and it immediately? You're like, oh. I think in theory, yes, but I don't always think so. No, there was times where I thought Anne Hathaway is Catwoman, like the Prince's Diaries girl mm-hmm. is Catwoman. And then I started thinking about like, who else could play Catwoman? Who all we have we seen Catwoman? And, and just I think it's the Catwoman effect. And I think you could put almost anyone in this role and a lot of male audiences are immediately going mm-hmm. to think hot. Yeah. It could, it could mean, be an actress that they just talked garbage about in a previous movie, but they put her in the cat suit and she's acting like Catwoman. They'd probably go, well, she was really good in Batman. <laughs> I really liked her in Batman. I think you could do the same thing with the, the Ivy effect, oh. letting somebody play poison Ivy. And, and that just, that just started, it just crossed my brain. And so it's not really like, a game or a riddle, but I think there's these effects that you can put almost anyone in. And I think one of the characters is Catwoman. I see what you're saying. I don't yeah. disagree. Yeah. I think it's uh, interesting. I enjoyed her as Catwoman. I 
like I said, I love Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway of making me love her. <laughs> and that's that's the actress, not the uh, uh, former uh, wife of William Shakespeare. No, that we're talking about. No, it is not. The so uh, let's let's just kind of get into the movie here. We're not going to do a detailed breakdown like we did with The Dark Knight because mm-hmm. this one just we feel like doesn't really need that treatment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've sort of split it up into a few different sequences or, or sections of the movie. So mm-hmm. the beginning, the plane sequence, the intro to Bane, all of these movies have that really awesome opening, like introducing the villain. You notice that the villain is always like hidden among their own people, like Joker wearing the clown mask with the bank robbery, Bane mm-hmm. with his guys on the plane. Crane working uh, in the asylum. Yeah. Aiden Gillen, I guess that's his name, the mm-hmm. the US agent guy that's you know yelling at him. That is little uh, finger. Little finger from the Game of Thrones. Yeah. Oh, did not and trust me. I read somewhere that the plane that they used, the CIA plane for this sequence, mm-hmm. actually crashed like a year later. Uh, the pilot and co-pilot both unfortunately uh, were killed, but this plane legit crashed like not even wow. a year after filming this. Yeah. Crazy, right? And it's crazy. But yeah, the, the introduction of Bane, one of those really uh, cool shots that sticks out is when the plane is turned upside down and he does the drop down and the camera's looking up at him. So cool. It gives him this heaviness, this weight, like, this dude is formidable. He's a big son of a guy. Strong, yeah, yeah solid. Perhaps he's wondering why someone would shoot a man and throw him out of a plane. Out of a plane. Oh, goodness, the boys. <laughs> we go back to Gotham City. It's eight years after the events of The Dark Knight. And you know what? Gordon and Batman, and to a lesser extent, Harvey Dent, they did what they sought out to do. Crime is at an all-time low in Gotham. In fact, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt even says something like, we're going to have to start arresting people for what do you say? Uh, parking tickets and parking tickets and, and uh, getting cats out of trees. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Jim's still having to keep that secret about, you know, the truth about Harvey and mm-hmm. the truth about Batman. Batman's not this terrible guy. He, he's, you know, doing this for he all saved of my us. Son. Yeah. So he wrote that letter. He was he was going to reveal the truth, but he decided it wasn't the time. Why do you think that? Like, what do you think hit him right then and there? No, no, no. Now it's not the time. I don't know what I don't know what would have changed his mind. But did you notice that when he said, but now's not the time, Bruce, who's on the roof, kind of watching the whole thing, then he leaves, kind of like almost like, is he gonna say something? Is he gonna tell them? And once he finds it, figures out that. You know, he's not going to spill the well, beans. I mean, he, he goes back it, inside. It could. I don't guess it could undo all the things that they've, that they've done because the bad guys are still locked up in prison mm-hmm. uh, because of the Dent Act and stuff like that. But I think maybe they just want to be really sure that Gotham really doesn't need Batman before he just destroys that image uh, of Two-Face. Well, I think the way that, like, later in the movie, the way that uh, – Blake puts it as he said, all those people sitting for eight years rotting in a cell based on an act or by an act based on a lie. Could it somewhat repeal 
if everything comes unwound, could it help them repeal the Dent Act even easier? Mm-hmm. Maybe. Um, I don't know how all those politics stuff work. There's a, a character that's introduced in this that we didn't talk about. Uh, Foley, Sergeant Foley, mm-hmm. uh, who's one step under Gordon. And Foley is a comics character and some animated stuff character. Uh, Foley actually was a character in Gotham, the show. They did a whole like crooked cop story with Foley. Oh, really? Um, but this guy playing him, do you know who that is? Um, no. That is Papa from Stranger Things. Ah. Yes. That is Papa. Wow. He looks so like young. Six or seven years before playing Papa. Wow. I know. Yeah. I didn't even. No, yeah. I never would have thought Matthew about it. That is Matthew Modine, uh, not just yeah. Papa. He's he's had quite a career, if you look him up. He's done a lot. Though You're just like, oh, he's in that? Oh, wait, what? I've seen that. Yeah, you better believe it. I'm looking at him right now. And now yeah. that I'm looking at him, it's like, oh, of course, that was yeah. How did I not catch yeah. that? Wow. Old Papa. And the senator that he's, disc- that he's talking to, he plays Thomas Wayne in Joker. Yeah, the one that uh, the guy that uh, Catwoman like kidnaps or whatever. Yeah, yeah he was Thomas in the uh, Joaquin Phoenix Joker. Yeah, that's kind of cool. So we we see that Bruce is a recluse and he's got the 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 uh, messed up leg. I've mm-hmm. always assumed that that was from his fall with Harvey at the end of Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. Right when he lifted well, the boy up and. What kind of crossed my mind in this most watch through, because to be honest, like we talked about the first one, I have not watched this one near as much as the Mm -hmm. second one. Uh, So there was a lot new thoughts crossing through my head is it's been eight years. Did he hang it up after that night or did he do some things kind of like in the animated series, despite the fact that the cops are chasing him? Did he still do some things? Did he still maybe fight the penguin or the Riddler or common crooks all while? So maybe, you know, he, he didn't just quit after that night and maybe he still did some things and it's definitely going to be a lot more risky now that the, you know, Mm -hmm. the cops are after him Mm -hmm. and and he's being hunted. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's, it's a good point. Eight years is a long time. Mm Mm-hmm. But uh, like I said, crime is uh, low in Gotham, but uh, Selena Kyle steals uh, his mom's pearls from Wayne Manor for John Daggett, played by possibly one of the best villains in everything he plays, except for Captain Marvel, of course. Hmm. Uh, ben Mendelsohn. Yeah, he's, he's in everything now. Yeah. Yeah, he's in this fantastic show. Uh, that me and mom watched during the pandemic where he plays the estranged crooked brother of uh, a, a cop and uh, the guy who plays the coach and Friday Night Lights, the shows in it. Um, it's a good show. I can never remember the name of these shows that I've watched, but it's pretty good. He's, he's good in about everything he does, but there's also so many Mendelssohn tropes that he carries in every character he plays. Like this character is very much like his character in Rogue One. Mm-hmm. He's he's great, but I think he's very similar in a lot of his roles. Typecast. Mm-hmm. The conversation between Selena and Bruce, and she's playing the, you know, the 
the little maid or whatever. And then when he's on to her and she has that sudden little change in her posture and her body language, like, I love that moment. Yeah. That is that she's so good at the, the physical little tiny little mm-hmm. physical things that just really go the extra mile for the character. Yeah. Love I it. love, I love when you can catch those subtle nods because, you know, obviously we talk about all the time, like it's so hard to catch subtlety on stage, but I love catching subtlety on camera where it's a little easier. Like uh, it always makes me think of uh, Cameron Monaghan's shift in his first episode in Gotham. Cause you know, he's being questioned oh, and he's crying yeah, yeah, and all yeah. that. And then he just physically changes everything and starts laughing. And I love a good, just like, Whoa, this is a different person. Yeah. And it really stood out and it was mm-hmm. memorable. Yeah. Yeah. So getting more into the conflict of the story, um, you know, Gordon gets lured down into Bane's, mm-hmm. you know, little hideout in the sewers or whatever. They almost kill him. Bane has been using Bruce's fingerprints that he got from John Daggett, uh, who got them from Catwoman. And so he's taken all the money and everything's all messed up at Wayne Industries, Enterprises, whatever you call it. Gosh, all kinds of stuff is happening. Alfred mm. is so worried about uh, Bruce. Like he's, you're, you're going to get killed doing this one day. I don't want to see this happen. So I quit. I'm out. Yeah. Peace. Bane just absolutely kicks Batman's tail. Selena leads him down there uh, to him. He gets trapped. This is the famous scene with the waterfall or whatever it is going in the background. There's no music for this fight. No underlying music. You just hear just the butt kicking. What always sticks out is when he hits him in the head and just crushes the mask. Yes. Oh. And then the famous pick him up over your head, break his back over your knee. That's straight from what was it? Uh, The comics. It was Nightfall or something like that. Yeah. Well, and and what I think is really cool about this Bane and what is really intimidating about this Bane is since he's grounded in reality as a a character, there's no venom. There's no stuff that he's pumping into his his blood to make him burn. This is all him. He's been hitting the gym, you know, not skipping leg day, not skipping arm day. And he is actually breaking brick walls when he punches, cracking his helmet. And he's just that's just him. There's no like modification. This is a new challenge, you know, for Bruce, because Joker, Scarecrow and all them physically, he's got the edge. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he's kind of met his match here with Bane. Um, yeah. But that's one of the best scenes in, in the movies, the the butt kicking scene down there in the sewer. And Bane's got all the monologuing he does about, you know, I was born in the darkness, molded by it. I didn't see the light till I was a, was a man. man. And then it was, it was blinding. It's, it's an intense scene, man. It is. Uh, it's, it's the lowest we've ever seen Batman in this trilogy. So Bane has taken over Gotham. He's got this big nuclear bomb driving around. And basically it's like martial law. You can do whatever you want mm. because he wants. Yeah. The plan is to destroy Gotham because that's what the League of Shadows originally wanted to do in the first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was Ra's al Ghul's dream or whatever. Destroy Gotham. It's like the Sodom and Gomorrah of, of the yeah. DC universe or whatever. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, we want to do that. But first we want to have some fun and just let people go wild and let them think that they have control. Yeah. Yeah. You feel in control. We get the cool scene with the football stadium. Mm. I think those uh, football players were from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yes. Those were the Steelers as the two different teams. And the city that Gotham's playing against is a real city in the DC universe. It's rapid, not, rapid yeah, city. It's it's not used a whole lot in a lot of mythos in DC, but like there's a couple of comics that takes place in Rapid City uh, in the DC universe with like some spinoffs of the Justice League, like Booster Gold does some stuff, hmm. um, and like these little of the, the not the main Justice League, but like these little sections of the league that are like over here in Rapid City. So it is a real DC city, which I think is is pretty cool. And they didn't just create, yeah, a, nice. a, a, a fake place for Gotham to play. Nice little nod there. Mm-hmm. And then so we've got basically the inmates are running the asylum. Uh, Bane's guys are taking over, and all the rich elite people they are having court with the scarecrow. Notice he's got this jacket with like the little things on the shoulders. That's a little nod to comic yeah. book scarecrow. So uh, death or exile and exile means you go out and walk across the icy river. You basically are like, okay, if you can make it across the frozen Harbor, you live, but you can't come back to Gotham exile, but nobody makes it across. No. So I think it's so uh, funny that that's where they dropped scarecrow in. Oh, and we we talked about him playing returning for these two movies. He holds the record as the most appearances as the same villain Mm -hmm. in Batman. That's cool. That's really cool. So things aren't looking too good here uh, in old Gotham City. (sighs) Batman's back is broken and he's been taken to the pit of despair. He spends five whole months in that pit Mm -hmm. uh, with his herniated disc that they just kind of punch and knock it back into place. This pit is also uh, super symbolic and important, though, because if you know the Ra's al Ghul lore, you know about the Lazarus pit, right? Mm-hmm. And it's meant to bring you back from the dead. It's like it, it re- re- rebirths you. Yes. Re- re- is that the right way to say that? It is a yeah, pool a of rebirth. rebirth, whatever. Yes. So uh, while they didn't go that route, though, Bruce sort of had like a rejuvenated yes spirit yes he did rise up out of the pit and it it was it was it was the best way they could do it without like well they're not going to do lazarus pit because everything's real but i I think it was a really cool nod symbolism was genius Mm -hmm. and we have the whole full circle thing here of you know his dad coming down why do we follow bruce so we can get back up Mm -hmm. coming down the the well to pick him up and carry him out and he was scared of the bats and everything now we got the bats flying out randomly up here before he jumps so full circle he's embracing his fear he can climb out of the well and he does uh cool uh note here the chant that they're doing and i have it spelled out desi basara desi basara desi basara uh means rise and they got the chant from like they crowdsourced it, like they sent out what they wanted people to say or whatever, and a bunch of different people recorded themselves doing the chant, and then they put it all together. 
That's cool. At least that's what I read. That's really cool. Uh, the pits so, uh, where we get the the phantasm return of Ra's al Ghul, too. Mm-hmm. He kind of shows up and he's like, I told you I was immortal, Bruce. You know, there's so many different ways of another nod to the Lazarus pit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's more ways than more, more than one way of having immortality. Such good stuff. Mm. Mm -hmm. So now that uh, Bruce has been revived, rejuvenated, he's all healed up. He's stronger. He's facing his fears. He's ready to go kick some Bane tail. Ready for round two, which is. What's next? The final battle, the battle for Gotham. We've got the mm-hmm. cool scene with the police charging against all Bane's dudes, the big fight in front of the city hall with Bane and Batman. Um, and Batman's holding his own this time. Um, and he this time he's going for strategy. He's, he's using his head rather than trying to match him yeah. physically. He's punching him in that mask and loosening it. And because uh, that mask, I guess, I think it's supposed to gives him some sort of like a spray like a medicine Mm -hmm. to keep him pain at bay yeah yeah so it's they never go into like what caused his condition or anything well they beat the crap out of him in the pit oh right yeah yeah. when she escaped they beat the the dog out of him so that's why he needs a mask yeah but i mean how could getting beat up affect you i I guess they did a bunch of stuff to his mouth or his face or something or i don't know they just said he was doctored up and then Roz came and saved him but he needs this mask to bear the pain yeah there's definitely not a lot of uh in-depth detail about his mask they like Uh, it that way though that's uh, why we don't have origin for the joker either so yeah it's true this is a great scene. I, I really, the one thing that really stuck out to me about this movie that I really enjoyed rewatching is this post apocalyptic, snowy, empty city, martial mm-hmm. law, you know, like fighting for your freedom, you know, very gangs of New York. Very, it, it just, it felt really cool, like desperation, like, yeah. you know, they've taken over and there's a few of us left to fight this army. And we got to do things in secret and it's, it's barren wasteland type stuff. And I really enjoyed that watching that part again. We get the big uh, Talia reveal here. She stabs Bruce with the little knife in the right between the ribs there mm-hmm. and uh, big reveal. I don't think I saw it coming. I didn't. Yeah. That was a good one. I was really excited when she said Talia. I was like, Yes. And so now that uh, she's off to go detonate her bomb or whatever, Bane's left there with Batman. She specifically said, don't kill him. I want him to feel the heat from the bomb. And Bane's like, yeah, no, I'm going to kill you now because I can and because I want to. Uh, And that's about the time Catwoman shows up and just blasts him. I mean, he's, you know, he ain't coming back for Dark Knight 4. No, he ain't coming back for, for the fourth movie. She says, the, uh, she says the, uh, you know, I'd have to disagree about the whole no guns thing. Yeah. Ben Affleck's Batman really, really took that one to heart. Well, listen, Batman killed in the past. Okay. There's comics where he killed snapping necks and shit like that. So he's the, the kill list thing didn't really come until like 
the late 80s, early 90s. If you go back and look at Batman's history in the comics, he used to kill people. I'm just saying. I guess. I don't know. I mean, in a roundabout way, he sort of killed people here. Like, he sort of was responsible for Talia dying, right? Yeah. Wrecking the truck with the Wrecking the truck. And we get that really cool moment where it kind of comes full circle where, you know, Gordon says, I've never cared who you were, but I hate the people of the city won't know who saved them. And he says, uh, being a hero is so much more, even if it's just putting a a coat on a scared boy and telling him that life's not over. And that's when he's like, oh, Bruce Wayne. Mm -hmm. That's what he did. And Batman begins after his family was shot. I guess it uh, it is encouraging to know that throughout his long illustrious career, Gordon didn't have to put a coat on a lot of other little boys' shoulders. Yeah, uh, if he can remember that specific one. Yeah, he's like, "Well, I only did it to one kid. That's that Wayne kid." It had to be. I, Bruce I don't Wayne. just put my coat around anyone. He was rich. I, I had to yeah. take special care of him. He was a quiet, weird little rich kid. What did you want me to do? I gave him so my anyway. coat. Gave him a speech. Sent him off to bed with a glass of milk. Bada bing, bada boom. Batman saves Gotham again. Again. By repairing, Gotham. repairing the autopilot on his little bat plane and flying the bomb out in the middle of the ocean and making his great escape. Yeah. He gets to, to hang it up. And uh, that scene that when he's arguing with Alfred, Alfred goes, you know, every year I used to take when you weren't here, those seven years that you were gone. I used to take a trip every year uh, to this place and I'd have a Fanny Branca and I would always dream of seeing you. And he actually got to do it. Like you find out that he fixed the autopilot and him and Selena escaped to this Italian city. And so that's a cool full circle. Yeah. Nice ending. Of course we get the new Batman symbol with Robin. Uh, He kind of passes everything down. To Blake mm-hmm. gives him um, the coordinates to the bat cave or whatever. Mm-hmm. He wisely puts something in the house, the orphanage. Yeah. Because he knows that there needs to be like daytime activity to kind of hide the fact that Batman's cave is under this, this mansion, um, which the mansion's actually an X-Men first class. Same one. Mm-hmm. Nice. It's the same mansion, but uh, Gordon and Bruce's, vision for batman and, and, and what he means and what he's supposed to be kind of comes true he's a symbol uh mm-hmm. he, he, batman can be anyone he even says that to George, uh, joseph gordon levitt mm-hmm. like in the car or whatever so here it is and let's be honest after seeing this were you thinking oh we're gonna get another movie with robin now uh yeah yeah i did too yeah i did but i'm um, glad they didn't well i'm glad they didn't because You'd always have people saying, Batman's not in it. Yeah. There's no Batman. He's not Batman. Bruce Wayne's Batman. Even as a spinoff, this one, the way that it ended, uh, was just too perfect. Yeah. So. You can, I can, I like that they were like, you fill in the blanks. We hardly ever get finality in superhero Mm -hmm. movies because it's like we talk about all the time in a superhero show or movie. Nobody really dies forever, usually. Right. No. Um, and in this, like this, this is the end of this story and they all live yeah. happily ever after. And that hardly ever happens. So yeah, it's nice. I enjoyed 
the Nolan verse. Definitely a lot more as I grew up, despite what most people think. I really enjoyed Batfleck. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he was a cool change after Nolan. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a different direction. I think they did things with with this Batman that no others have ever done before, and they changed the game post Schumacher. And then you know, er- as long as every time a new Batman is is a new universe is created, as long as they change the game somehow in some form, I'll be pretty happy. Like I, I won't complain much as long as we don't regress and go back to Schumacher's Batman. But this trilogy not, was good. Not likely to happen. Yes, this is a great trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely holds up after all these years. We've been wanting to do this for a long time, so I'm glad mm-hmm. we finally knocked out the Nolan universe. So as you all know, we do love our unknown nerdlich. We love the opportunity that you may at least learn one new thing listening to 30 and Nerdy. At least. At least one new thing. Which is why we do the digging and we do the diving into like behind the scenes, unknown stuff is we want at least one educational moment where you're like, you know what? I did not know that. And now you may move on and say, did you know that that's actually supposed to be? And if you ever go on Jeopardy and one of these answers is is showing up on one of your questions and you win a bunch of money. Hey, you just remember your boys. You just become a Patreon supporter and <laughs> to to pay us back. Yeah. Uh, so WB was uh, actually interested in having your boy, the Riddler, show up, played yeah. by uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. I remember this talk too. Mm. Yeah, I remember this very well, and I think I also remember like some Johnny Depp rumors swirling yeah. around for Riddler. I remember the Depp ones um, more than the DiCaprio, but I do remember the DiCaprio. I imagine that a Riddler in the Nolan Batman universe would probably be very similar to what we got with the new Batman. Yeah, version of Riddler. more of a jigsaw serial killer type serial thing. Killer, yeah, yeah, not the bowler hat and jacket and cane and leaving riddles all over the town um i would have liked to have seen what christopher nolan would have done with a lot of the other villains i know some of them would have been hard to do in his world like mr freeze would have been tough probably and yeah croc would have been hard yeah for sure so uh i would have been interested to see what would have happened but he christopher nolan uh shot that one down because he needed to have a more menacing you know, mm-hmm. physically menacing uh, and, and looming sort of villain for this one. So it was the right call. Yeah, uh, because each each movie of the trilogy hints on something different. You know, one was fear. Two was chaos. Three is being outpowered, just, just outpowered in many ways, whether it's Bane to Batman, the troops to the cops, you know, the bomb to the city. It's all about being outpowered, but still rising. Over that. Bruce's Lamborghini, uh, the Murcielago, means bat in Spanish. Yeah, he had this at least in uh, two and three. I don't know if he had a Lamborghini in the first one, but yeah, that uh, it's, it's a, cool. a nice little Easter egg there. It means, means bat in Spanish. Normally in a superhero movie or especially a Batman movie, your final showdown between your hero and your villain, good and the evil, it's going to happen at nighttime. 
-hmm. but not in this one. No, no, nay, nay. Uh, In this one, the final battle happens at dawn, right in the middle of the day. Yeah, broad daylight where you rarely see Batman. We talked in in The Dark Knight about how they broke an IMAX camera in the Joker chase car chasing scene. Well, broke another one in this one. Anne Hathaway's stunt double on the bat pod drove right into it. So they broke another one. But they did do about 40% of this movie was shot with the IMAX cameras. So a little more than the last movie. Yes. Uh, Another fun fact is uh, the ending was actually complete secret. Yeah. He, uh, Christopher Nolan told them in person it wasn't on any email or I don't think it was in the script or anything like that. So they had no idea uh, how things were going to turn out in the end because, I mean, this was there were a lot of uh, people leaking stuff at this time, mm-hmm. like pictures of uh, of Miranda had been leaked mm-hmm. and I think some of the stuff with the, the tanks and everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like the, the headstone at Bruce's funeral in person. It said Miranda Tate. It did not say Bruce Wayne because they were so worried about we're getting out. So they yeah. changed it digitally. And then when the lady at the end says to Joseph Gordon-Levitt, oh, Robin, you'll notice the camera isn't facing her. It's the back of her head because mm-hmm. they added that line in later. She never said that live. Wow. Because they, Yeah, they wanted to keep that a big secret. So it was that. Like away. I said, not my favorite part of the movie. Last thing that I have is that a lot of this story was inspired by Charles Dickens' A Tale of Two Cities uh, with these ideas of like class conflict, uprising, hero sacrifice, uh, because this, you know, it's about like the French Revolution. So, yeah. um, uh, but Gordon reads some of the really uh, famous lines from, from the book uh, at Bruce's funeral. Yeah. Uh, there at the end and look i was an english major so i probably should catch a lot more of the allusions and nods to a tale of two cities but i did not sorry i read a tale of two cities one time in high school yeah i've never read read, i've never read the full novel i've read like the little uh, like abridged versions of it and then i saw like the wishbone episode when i was a kid i didn't have (laughs) to like do a lot of wishbone is probably a lot more entertaining than actually reading the book. Oh man, any kind of story that wishbone told, you know, that that's the best way to tell the story. Absolutely. I love I remember, Robin Hood. Yeah. Remember the one he did uh, about uh, the Midas touch and everything? Yeah. He did Rip oh. Van Winkle. He also did the Hounds of Baskerville, Sherlock Holmes one. Yep. Yeah, man. And loved me. They, they don't make they don't make shows like Wishbone anymore. That's no. Sure. Now we got like Rick and Morty and Bob's oh, Burgers geez. and man, bring back Wishbone. That is some good stuff there. That's the hashtag I can get behind. That's the tweet right there. Bring exposing back kids to literature. That's that's had a huge influence on me growing up. Well, exactly. We had Bob Ross and and Reading Rainbow and Wishbone and Sesame Street and yeah. all this you know, exposing to learning and creativity and all that. And that's why we, that's, that's just why our generation, man, is just creative. Yeah. Very creative, whether it be good or bad. 
Yeah. We're very creative. I only found one that I really wanted to talk about. Okay. Uh, at the end, uh, when they're unveiling the statue of Batman. Right. That is an homage to Heath Ledger because they start you out as an overhead and it's the eyes, the nose, and the smile. That was a silent homage nod to Heath Ledger. Oh, no, no, I, the way I that everything's that. set up. I am I am going to show you, but obviously the audience can't can't see, but that is how oh. it's set up. Okay. It makes yeah. the whole Joker face. Like interesting. Yeah. I I like that out of respect to Heath Ledger, they didn't mention the Joker at all. I agree. Um, because you know, as Nolan has said, that there obviously plans were to have him in an aspect in the third one. He was like, Yeah, he would have been, you know, either in Arkham or there would have been a scene with him in the third one because it's Joker and Batman, you know. Yeah. But uh I'm I'm glad they decided against it. You can't recast. No way. No, no, no. way. Yeah. Uh just just like you know, what they've done with uh, T'Challa. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's way more respectful to not recast. That's the only one I wanted to talk about. That's the only one that really, I was like, that's awesome. That's cool. Yeah, I, did, I didn't stumble upon that one. So yeah. you, you got me on that one. Very nice. This has been fun, man. It's been a good November. I'm glad yeah. we finally got to, because you've been talking about the Nolan trilogy for at least three seasons. Yeah. We should do the Nolan trilogy. We like the Nolan trilogy. When can we do the Nolan trilogy? <laughs> Uh, so we finally got to do it and I'm glad we did. It was a nice refresher. Love when we revisit this, uh, older stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy to think that dark night, dark night rises is 10 years old. Ugh, crazy. 10 years old. Dark night rises. Well, I mean, we're eventually going to get, think about whenever we're like, can you believe end game turns 10? Yeah. Just wait that'll, we get to that. That'll be here before you know it, too. Yeah. It's only a few man, uh, oh, short six years away, almost. Something like that. Something like that, yeah. Time, what a strange thing it is. Mm-mm. It's a construct, man. Time don't totally. exist. Yeah. Well, nerds and nerdettes, thank you for tuning in to Nolanverse November with us this month. Yeah. Uh, we are going to stay in the Batman universe a little bit for kicking off December, but uh, it's going to be a little different. We are going to talk about the Robins. We're going to break down and discuss all the many Robins that we have had in the history of Batman moments, unknown stuff about the Robins and uh, maybe some of our favorite Robin stories. Um because we are everyone who's ever listened to the show knows you're a Nightwing fan. I'm a big Nightwing. We fan. are going to I, include I Nightwing because he yeah. is a Robin. So, so yeah, uh, stay tuned for that uh, starting in December. And uh, we are going to not be as busy in December because the juicy one here has got an opening of some, I don't know, some show. He's been talking about some Disney thing he's doing. I don't know. But uh, if you are in the area, (laughs) if you're in the immediate area of this show, 
Uh, High School Musical, directed by the one and only Josh Davis, is opening soon at Jeff County High School. So look for details on that. We will. I'll be there. Obviously, Josh has to be there. So uh, I'm excited, man. I really am. Yeah. You you are you're coming up on the the home stretch. You're almost there, and uh, I can't wait to see what you've created. Thank you. Yeah, I am. I'll I'll be the positive one. I'll be the positive one. No, it's gonna be it's it's gonna be wonderful. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna it's be, gonna great. be great. I'm just I'm always a little stressy leading up to it, but it will be great for sure. Uh, yeah, but until then, you know, I. We we haven't we haven't uh, died yet, but here before long we're going to see ourselves turning into the villain. So we probably yeah. better wrap it up. Yeah. Well, guys, thank you for tuning in. Be kind to one another. Be kind to yourselves. And as always, cheers to you. There once were two dudes who in college nobody loved pop culture more so they started a podcast to talk all about it and 30 and nerdy was born oh 30 and nerdy was born you might hear them chat about shows like the witcher or movies like lord of the rings And if Josh has to choose, he is loyal to Marvel While Tyler goes more for DC Yes, Tyler goes more for DC Now come, come, one and all Nerd up or shut up, just answer the call To be part of our journey into magical worlds Join us and cheers to ya nerds Join us and cheers to ya nerds